0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. And she will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus, the gospel of the Lord. We have in our gospel reading today the reason why we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in Advent. Note the reference to chapter 7 of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. And as we noted yesterday, the verses of that hymn, that very familiar and yet strange and unknown hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that we've grown up hearing and singing, except that we tend to only sing the first verse or two. And so we don't know the fuller number of verses of that hymn. But that is in no small measure the hymn of these days. These days beginning yesterday, December 17th, and continuing all the way through and including December 24th, each day the church folds into its prayer both at mass with the gospel acclamation and when the clergy pray the divine office the liturgy of the hours at evening prayer one of the antiphons is one of the verses from that hymn o come o come emmanuel in fact the ur origin of the hymn was over that week of preparation these last days before the celebration of the Nativity. And the remarkable thing, again, as we noted yesterday, but it's worth belaboring the point again, is the way that the one we wait for, Emmanuel, is named. In fact, the hymn itself doesn't begin classically with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It begins with the verse we used yesterday. O come, O wisdom from on high. And then proceeds through what we hear today. O come, thou Lord of might. But each day, we name the Lord whom we call Emmanuel. God is with us. According to the beautiful and mysterious cadences of the prophecies of the Old Testament. It is worth getting a copy of the full set of verses of that hymn and just every day linger with the verse of the day take a few moments to read it and call out to heaven for the coming of the lord understood that way and let it stretch your understanding of just who it is we are expecting for whom it is that we are preparing And again, if you do that, you print out your song sheet with all the verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Go to verse number two. The verse says, O Wisdom, and mark December 17th. Go down the list, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And on the 24th, the verse is, O Come, Emmanuel. And just note how there's this marvelous progression through ancient imagery about who the Lord is and what it means to call out to him. O wisdom, O Lord of might, O giver of the law, O dayspring, O key of David, O branch from the stem of Jesse. These are not the ways we ordinarily speak of the Lord, but this is the way the people of God has spoken of the Savior across centuries, and it is the way the Catholic Church for 2,000 years has prepared for the coming of the Lord by means of these beautiful ancient verses. That having been said, we find ourselves now in our readings, and as we it, over these last seven days of the season of Advent, the prayers of the liturgy change, and the readings shift. We are no longer looking at that ultimate horizon of the Lord coming on that day to complete all things. We are looking now more immediately to that other day which has already come, when the Lord was born for us. And for the very first time, let the light of his face shine out on this earth and so we will be hearing in our gospels the accounts of how the birth of jesus comes about yesterday we had the lengthy geology at the very beginning of the gospel of saint matthew that chased the line from abraham the great patriarch through the generations all the way down to joseph who adopted the Lord into his house. And now today we continue that by zeroing in on Joseph, who was beautifully described yesterday in this lengthy list of the generations. Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the way down to another Jacob, who is the father of Joseph, who is not identified as the father of Jesus, but as the husband of Mary. This is the great and original title of Joseph. It is Joseph, husband, Joseph, spouse of the Holy Virgin Mary. And in the church's devotion to Joseph, that that title is the one that is privileged above all the others. Because it is the one that the Holy Spirit gives him as it speaks of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. And having said that yesterday, we now turn to the account of Joseph and his relationship with Mary and the way that Jesus comes into the world. And it is remarkable, and I want to stress, we need to take that statement seriously. This is how the birth of Christ came about. When scripture speaks in that kind of a direct way, it wants us to pay attention to what is happening. This is not just a story. In fact, it's not a story first about the relationship between Joseph and Mary. It is the account, not of Joseph, it is the account of how Jesus Christ is pleased to be born in this world. World. And note how that reframes our hearing of the words of this story, our engagement with this account of the character of Joseph. Everything that we see here is related not first to who Joseph is. It is related to how Jesus Christ comes into the world. And so what do we see? Jesus is pleased to come into the world in a way that involves the relationship between Joseph and Mary. He is born of Mary, but he comes into the world in a way in which Joseph is necessarily involved. Joseph is betrothed to the Virgin Mary, but they have not had relations. And in the context of that relationship, Mary is found to be with child. And so note, the Lord is pleased to come into the world, first through the ordinary structure of forming a family but he is also pleased to do things a bit differently. And why is that? Because no human being can be the origin of the life of the Son of God. And so Jesus is that one who on the one hand comes from outside and yet on the other as the Son of Mary comes from among us. And it is this beautiful combination the virgin who is with child from no earthly source. And Joseph, of course, is puzzled by this. This is not the kind of thing there was a roadmap for dealing with. And Joseph is faced with the question of what do I do? The woman to whom I am betrothed is pregnant, and I know for a fact the child is not mine. Consider your own experience of betrayal. Consider your own experience of having been wounded in a relationship. Consider the heat which can well up within you. The desire for the cutting word. The desire to get back and wound the one who hurt you in some way. And consider how the more righteous we feel, how easily the more self-righteous we can become. We claim the moral authority of standing for what is right. Oh, and we do it with such marvelous harshness, don't we? We do it with such marvelous judgmentalism. So note the very important and clever way the Holy Spirit speaks to us here. Joseph, though he was a righteous man, what an interesting way of putting it. Even though he was righteous, he decided to do this quietly. And note how the Holy Spirit is tweaking our consciousness. Because when we feel that we're righteous, we don't do stuff quietly. When we feel we're in the right, we claim some vague moral authority to exercise judgment and justice. Joseph, who is righteous, doesn't choose to manifest that publicly. He doesn't need to show the world that he is right and she is wrong. He doesn't need to express his rightness in a way that diminishes even the one who may well have wounded him. Why do we consider Joseph great? Start right there. Start right there. This is an example we should all fall silent in front of. And so note, he is righteous and he is merciful and we'll see this theme running through the life of jesus himself who has very strong words against those who are merely righteous but know not mercy and so here it is not enough for joseph to be in the right and to want what he is due The issue is, what is the best way to treat this person? No more beautiful testament of love can there be than that. And so here, we're given this window into what is happening inside Joseph. He doesn't say a thing. Joseph doesn't have a speaking part in all of scripture but we see that he's not merely silent in the way that we can be where we're numb. And he's not silent in the way that we can be where we let our grievances do all the talking inside of us. He, rather, is seeking out the way of mercy. He is resting in his listening for the will of God. Because it is amazing how easily in the spiritual life, the more invested we become in it, that when we feel wounded, we forget that we are first followers of God. And we prematurely claim his authority. Joseph doesn't do that. And it's into this context that heaven speaks to him. The angel comes to him in a dream. Okay, this is one of several annunciations related to the birth of Jesus. There is the annunciation, Gabriel comes to Mary. We will hear that on Monday. I'll give you a spoiler. There is on Christmas night the annunciation to the shepherds. We will hear over the coming days the annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist. And here we have the annunciation to Joseph, where heaven announces and reveals what is happening. And it begins with, don't be afraid to receive your wife into your home. And by extension, don't be afraid to receive this child. And why would that have been an issue? Because Joseph, being a good man, also doesn't want to give the appearance of condoning sin, of condoning what is against the will of God. So note that the lemon in which he found himself, and now heaven speaks the resolution. And so it is that on waking up Realizing what has happened and who the child is. He opens his door. And note, how does he open the door to Jesus? By opening it to Mary. Jesus is pleased to come into the world this way. This is how Christ comes into the world. And note how wonderful it is. Because who is Jesus? He's the son of the merciful father. And who is Joseph that we see here? A merciful father. Note how fitting and how wonderful that is. And what does Jesus come to do? He comes to make us the adopted sons and daughters of the merciful Father. And how does he come into the world? He is himself adopted into the house of a merciful Father. Note how marvelous that is. And note, He comes into this world in a way that involves the healing of a perceived woundedness in a family. What a great mystery this is. So let's pause here for just one last note. Yesterday in our gospel reading, we read that lengthy list of names across all of those generations. 42 generations, in fact, for those of you that were counting. In fact, Matthew did the counting for us. 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 more from David to the exile, 14 more until we get to Joseph. And then Jesus comes the son of Mary, and across all of those 42 generations, in addition to a promise, in addition to all that is good that is passed on, there is all of the woundedness of the household of Israel and all of the woundedness of the family of man, passed down from generation to generation to generation original sin original woundedness being handed on through a family through all families until we get to this last point this 42nd generation where we find Mary and what do we know about Mary she's freed from original sin we celebrated that just a couple just a week and a half ago right Now look at what that means. Mary, born of human parents, has within her, and without the intervention of grace at her conception, she would have within her everything that those generations passed on for good and for ill, right? But notice what happens. The ill, isn't communicated. And what we see in Mary is all of the good of the life of the family, all of the good of the life of the people of God, without any of the evil, without any of the brokenness. Note the healing here. Across all of those generations, The tales of struggle, the tales of pain, the reality of infidelity, the reality of violence, the reality of just never being able to make it work. Across all of those generations, the love, however imperfect, that was communicated, we arrive at a point where all that is handed on is made new, made fresh and freed from the wrong. Note how Christ comes into the world in a way that does quite literally involve the healing of the family. This is how he is pleased to come to us. What a beautiful, beautiful reality this is. We see it in miniature in a sense in the figure of Joseph and we see it writ more grandly in the person of Mary. But the Lord who comes to us to make us the adopted children of the, of the merciful father is pleased himself to be adopted into the household of a father who is not merely righteous, but merciful. What a great thing. And it is this Jesus who comes to you here today in this great sacrament. And as you receive him today, don't be shy about asking him to attend to whatever woundedness might mark your family in the midst of its goodness, amen.